Yo. What is up? Dude, I went out for sushi for lunch today. Oh, yeah? Sushi's, sushi's not really a lunch thing, is it? You know? I know. I, Do you think it could be? Because when I, I go like for sushi, is. when I get sushi, um, so I, I get the chance to get sushi like three times a year. So it's a big opportunity for me. It's like one of my favorite foods. So I have to go basically all in. Um, mm. Typically need to go to sleep pretty much immediately after sushi. So I think of it as a dinner thing. But um, my wife starts school. She's a teacher. She starts next week after her summer break. So we went on a little lunch date and uh, I crushed sushi. And I'll tell you one little thing that happened. And this happens to me a lot. I'm curious if this ever happens to you. Do you ever have the thing where the server sort of is like, ooh, I I don't think are you sure that yeah. that dude that happens to me constantly? <laughs> and um so that happened at sushi. I placed the order and she was like, Oh, wow. And I was like, it's okay. <laughs> don't worry. So I saved up all my macros today for the sushi nice. meal. And um one more thing about that. When we were in Spain for all of last month, it happened to me like twice a week. Like they wouldn't let huh. me eat in Spain. And I always, they would be like, listen, I really recommend that you just get these two things and yeah. then we'll see. And I'm like, hey, I'm tired of this European bullshit. Okay. Like <laughs> I am an active American big boy and I need the food. Okay. Yeah. But, but Sonny, you know, you know why they say that? It's because like the majority of Americans ask for that stuff and then they complain about it what because they're because it's too much food yeah or, or like they don't like the thing or whatever you know are you just do you just think americans complain a lot is that yes yeah <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah um pretty much true I, I don't think i can deny that um actually where exception. i live yeah where I live in the south, southeast of the U.S., there is a very prominent, particularly with like older folks, there's like a very prominent like complaint first type narrative and it drives mm. me crazy. So like, for example, you see some dude like passing in the parking lot like, oh, how you doing? And like, ah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm still here, you know. Yeah, or, oh, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's that, but I mean, it, it's more than that. It's it's like really ingrained here of this mm -hmm. attitude is like, hey, one more day, I guess, but it sure is hot, you know. Move along, <laughs> and it, it does drive me crazy. I'm like, hey, let's let's be optimistic, baby. We're yeah. here, like let's, let's <laughs> yeah, do this. Exactly. Nice man. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. All right, yeah, so excuse, I excuse, I really excuse. don't have many notes for today so why don't you uh why don't you kick us off yeah there's like eight words on our notes for today which i think is pretty much perfect um so the first thing i want to talk to you about and i i do want your feedback like it's it'll be a lot probably to memorize at once and give feedback but curious your input so last episode we talked about this whole this idea about like lions or really basically any other animal and how they hunt, they fight, they play, they um, rest, they procreate. That's basically all they do. They do it perfectly. Thus, they're living their purpose 100% perfectly and they never need anything. They're not, they're not skinny. They're not fat. They're not thirsty. They're not hungry, right? They're not tired. They're not like perfect. And so the conversation was like, well, what, what is the analogy? Like, how do you translate that for like a human or in particular, um, like a modern man, although basically all this stuff applies to, to uh, any of the many, many, many genders out there. 
Um, so I've gone further in thinking about this total man thing. This like, okay, what, like, if there was like the ultimate man, like what would those attributes be? What are the areas of mastery that he, you know, exhibits and are there ways to progress in some of those areas? And so I honestly, I think I came up with like a pretty good, um, overview of, of these like attributes and, and ways to progress in them. So I really want to run these by you um, and maybe let you sort of lead like which areas we dive into because we don't have to talk about like every single puzzle piece here. But sure. yeah, basically came up with a wheel. So it's it's like the man wheel and there's seven areas and the seven areas where like I would say this kind of like an ultimate man is kind of a master of each area. What I came up with um, and these go, they start with an inward self-focus to like an outward focus. Okay. Mm. So first physical abilities, second wealth, third emotional maturity. I don't know if maturity is the word, but, and then you have integrity, creativity, relationships, and spirituality. And so I thought just those seven alone are kind of interesting because when you, if so, okay, wealth and physical abilities, being strong and being rich, you know, in a cliche way, that's probably top of mind when you're like, who's a powerful man, right? Mm. But then when you dig in to like these areas that I was talking about, creativity, integrity, and spirituality, and like really owning the kind of emotional side of masculinity. I thought those were interesting and I, it was interesting to me to sort of like sit in those and ask myself, okay, if I was the total man, like, do what does creativity mean? Uh, like, do you actually have to be mm. creative? What does that mean? Et cetera. So what I did is for each of those seven areas, I came up with like a little progression for white belt, blue belt, and black belt. So nice. kind of like, all right, this is what this a era. noob is like. Which I thought was also cool because if you go through them all, you could sort of say like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of a black belt in, in wealth, whatever. Like I'm, I'm rich, I'm compounding, like good to mm -hmm. go. But I'm a white belt in integrity. I didn't even know what that really meant, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. um, so you want to hear some more about some of these? Or are there any of those yeah, seven yeah. that like jump into mind and you're like to talk about? <laughs> the creativity one's interesting to me. Like I, I don't think I would have put that in if I was coming up yeah. with seven areas of mastery so, but it does make sense the creativity one is probably like a little bit the most difficult for me to articulate but basically what i was thinking is that men are generally like exceptional leaders like exceptional strategists we think mm. really high level in a way and I was thinking through, like, when you are living a life where you are actively thinking in those ways, you actually really need to be creative. Now, I don't yeah. mean like artistic. So that's a that's a quick. Like, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I don't mean you need to write a symphony. I'm talking more like you need to be able to imagine and come up with <clears throat> solutions, innovative solutions, uh, new directions, course corrections, leadership type yes. concepts. Because when you think uh, another example is like, one version of like the ultimate man would be like your Benjamin Franklin, your Thomas Edison, your Nikola Tesla, 
I mean, even your Elon Musk, like in some ways, if you're just looking at this, those guys are like, creativity is so pervasive in everything that they do um, that you, you can't separate them from creativity, you're like kind of inventors mm. in a way. I feel like the ultimate man isn't like an inventor of like little tools or necessarily, but like in a way is like thinks like an inventor. What do you, what do you, I don't know. You buying that? Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. I agree. I think it's a fundamental part or aspect of being a man. And it's, it's yeah. something I want to work on. Yeah. So my white belt, blue belt, black belt for creativity, which needs some refining. The white belt is somebody who brainstorms like, Hey, I, it's cool to think differently. Like somebody who's like starting to embrace the idea of first principles thinking. And yep. then you get into blue belt, which is like, I consistently use and feel sort of my creative power. And I use it to like, try to improve things around me mm. and in my life. And then black belt is like, I am known as a visionary thinker again, like your Edison Musk type thing. So I don't know if that's like concrete enough, but, um, that was my take on integrity. And then by the way, for each of those seven man buckets, like, I don't know what to call the seven areas of the, the man graph. Um, I put together like a few quick hit resources. Like if this area is interesting to you, grab these three books, like hit the road. And for this, um, for creativity, I put down big magic, which I think is a really unknown, uh, underrated I've heard book. of that book, but I haven't read it. It's awesome. It's by Elizabeth Gilbert, the, the person who wrote eat, pray, love. So you have to get past Wait, that. So she's not, she's not a man. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, this well. is imagine <laughs> okay. uh, the writing of a woman being applicable to achieving ultimate masculinity. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, okay. The artist's way written by Julia Cameron also, um, that book changed my life. You know how books have their timing? They hit you the yeah, right time. Yeah. The artist's way. It, it, and I always feel like there's sort of like some higher power getting involved there that when something I needed the artist's way so bad at the exact moment, somebody told me about it. The day that I started, it was like that it was, you know, it was like, it was like written in the stars or something. So hmm. that's a big one for me. And then the war of art is a great book. And then mm. the Benjamin Franklin bio. Um, do you know much so about good. Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. I've, I, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite biographies actually, I read it years ago. <laughs> me too. And w I don't know about you, but I, I just didn't know. But when I was reading that book, I don't think my mind's ever been more blown like in a book because you're turning the page and it's like, and that's when he invented firefighting. Like he <laughs> yeah. invented the fight. I'm like, oh shit. And then like two pages later, it's like, and then he invented libraries. Like, yeah. Wait, really? Like dude invented the police. He invented firefighting <laughs> and firemen. He invented libraries, like public libraries. What yeah. else? I mean, discovered. It's, it's what, crazy, man. Would you say he discovered electricity? I don't know if that's like the right way to put it, but getting out of my He did way. a lot. He did a hell of a lot. God, it's, it's so interesting. Um, so that's creativity bucket. Um, what's another one we should touch on? The, the phys let's do the physical one because this is yeah, quite obvious yeah. and close to home for both of us. Um, and the reason why this is interesting to me is because it's not as simple as like the ultimate man is really strong and fit. Sure. My black belt definition and what I'm, I'm working on in my own sort of fitness life is I want to completely believe that I am prepared for anything. 
Yes. That's kind of yeah. my training philosophy. And I don't mean like Armageddon, like I'm prepared for the zombie apocalypse. Like I am coming to my bunker, bitch. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I just mean like if I need to go run a long distance, no problem. If I need to fight to protect myself or my kids, I got it. Like if I need to go do some squats or pick up a big ass rock or go hiking with my family for three days, good to go. All the baselines mm -hmm. are elevated for endurance, strength, mobility, and combat. And I think the combat yep. thing's super interesting because nobody adds that in. When you th talk about the full picture of fitness, people don't talk about combat. And I don't know, I've just come to believe that like, if you're strong and you have endurance and you're a fitness oriented person, you need to be training some combat skills. You want to be, you want to be hard to kill. That's how I think about it, which is basically what you just said. Like, okay, you're in a situation where someone's being aggressive with you. Like Jocko would say, go away, run, like don't get into the fight for obvious reasons. Yeah. You, you never know yeah. what they have. Um, but if you can't run, then like you're kind of screwed, you know, like you got to fight. Um, yeah. So being hard to kill. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And it's aligns completely with how I think about it as well. Um, <clears throat> like growing up, I mean, I'm still growing up, but like <laughs> when I was younger, it was like, I just want to do bodybuilding, look yes. like jacked. Um, and I think there's something to that. Like aesthetics are a thing and I don't think it's a bad goal to like want to look good. Um, but at some point, well, a lot of people graduate to like what you just said, which is I want to be able to do pretty much anything in a, in a reasonable way. Like yeah. I don't care about being a top 1% marathon runner or like, a strong man or you know i want to get my black belt in jujitsu but like i'm not i don't care if it takes 10 years or seven like i'm not yeah that obsessed with it um i just want to be good yeah at everything i'm thinking about like the t-shaped approach here where my baselines are are really quite high for endurance, strength, mobility, and jujitsu. Although mm. I'm a white belt jujitsu, um, approaching my third stripe, so I'm still so early in that journey. But like the baseline is is getting to be there. What I want to do is is always maintain my baselines, but also always have one thing that I'm doing like a little bit crazier. Like for example, that that mountain marathon you ran, or like an ultra. Yeah. I always want to have one thing like that on my horizon. So like maybe if the season is a little bit more about strength, I'm going to spend a few months like setting a new squat PR. Yeah. And then, then I might stop squatting for six months and, and do a lot more running and endurance. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and to that end, by the way, getting sidetracked all over the place, but um, you know, Fergus Crawley, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, did, I don't know him you, personally, but I know of him. Yeah. But did you do some of their training? Thing? Did you? Like I, yeah, I did coaching with with the company. Coaching with them. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I do want to hear about that. Uh, we don't have to dive into it now, but um, Fergus and his messages and and some of stuff on his podcast have gotten me interested in ultra running. And I mm -hmm. think you got interested in ultra running. And this, so this is different for me because, like, literally a year ago, even six months ago, if you had asked me, like, what do you think about ultra running, I would have been like, it's fucking stupid. It's horrible for you. It's horrible for your body. Yeah. 
you're going to get injured. Um, people who do it are basically idiots and they should probably just be doing a bit less running and more lifting, right? That's what I would have said. But now I'm starting to think as I see these quote hybrid athletes who can like squat 500 pounds and then mm. run 50 miles or like a hundred K I'm starting to think there might be something to that. Like the diversity of that training going really deep on like some super long sort of crucible type of run where you you're, you're on this journey. And um, what do you think about ultra running as a, I, I, I think this feeds into like a meta concept of, um, not all training like not all training is fully optimal and there's trade-offs and everything it's like if you do a lot of ultras yeah there's going to be some negative effects to that like it will wear down your like look at david goggins like his knees are yeah. absolutely destroyed uh, you know so he like puts, he puts pictures of his feet on instagram it's so fucked up <laughs> yeah it's exactly so bad and then it's like yeah you look at guys like ross edgley or um What's I going to say? Um, oh, take jujitsu for an example. Like if you train jujitsu yeah. for 40 years, yeah. your body is oh, going to yeah. be pretty wrecked at the end of it. Yeah. But that's just a trade-off you make because it's like, what are you optimizing for? Fun, challenge, enjoyment, like all these kind of things. So if you want to have like the perfect fitness and optimal body, it's like, yeah, maybe you don't go and run ultras. Maybe you just do like a ton of zone two on the treadmill and like, mm -hmm. it's kind of boring, you know? So the way I see it is like, I don't care when I did the mountain marathon, I was like, I don't really care that much about the fitness. Um, I did get fitter. Yeah. I care about the challenge. Like I care about the yeah. mental barrier that's there, like overcoming that. Um, there's a book called the comfort crisis. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Heard of it. Haven't read. I think in that book, I could be wrong, but he talks about this Japanese concept. It's like, I can't remember the word, but it's a Japanese concept. And it's like, you do one extremely hard thing once a year. I like that. I, I need Simple. to Google this. It's yeah. like, um, it's great. And that's how I yeah. think about it. So after you did the mountain marathon, are you Misogi. sort of Misogi? It's called a Misogi you... challenge. Okay. So you did something hard. Are you kind of paused on long distance running for a while? You like yeah. did that and it kind of trained yeah. something different. That, so that's what I'm wondering. Like is does it make sense to just be like, I'm going to run one ultra this year or, you know, within the next year and that's it for my endurance kind of stuff. And then I'll just kind of go back to normal. Yeah. I, I would do it. And Misogi is like a Japanese philosophy where you do one really hard thing a year, right? Yes. Yeah, basically um, refers to a unique and challenging practice of purification. So mm, in traditional Japanese okay. culture, it involved immersing oneself in cold water, which every biohacker okay. and entrepreneur does these days. It's not special, um, including yourself, ice bath in the morning. But in contemporary times, it's taken on a broader meaning. It's a challenge that pushes you to your limits and forces you to confront your fears, doubts, and weaknesses. Interesting. So that could be like, yeah, mm -hmm. that could involve fasting uh yeah yeah some sort of physical. solitude yeah physical yeah um cool that reminds me of like uh, one time i met a guy in chinatown in new york like an old chinese dude or chinatown ease dude like it's hard to know <laughs> like are you from china from chinatown etc but um he told me that we like we old chinese men we believe that businesses 
are like wait businesses are oh, i almost kind of forgot what he said it's like businesses are like your hands you need one for every finger and so these guys own hmm. like 10 12 like little tiny enterprises mm -hmm. or businesses and that always stuck with me i've always been like man i kind of want 10 businesses just so i can <laughs> go around and be like yo i got 10 i got one <laughs> business for every finger man that's pretty sick chinatown flex sucks if you have no fingers though what do you do <laughs> just start two really big companies man just two big businesses <laughs> that'll do it that'll do it um actually the next area in the man wheel is wealth and mm -hmm. um i've been thinking about this a lot lately this notion this one i almost feel bad saying because this can feel almost uh punitive or like disrespectful yeah. or something but there's a part of my mind that says real men are not broke they might not be rich but they mm -hmm. are on like a path toward compounding and accumulating wealth in some sure. way now that path is a really long progression to me yep. so i broke it down and and yeah curious your thoughts so the white belt is i'm making some money like maybe i even just have a normal job but i'm making some money i'm saving some money but importantly I have like started to disavow bullshit consumerism. Yes. It, that that was yeah. a turning point for me where I was like, oh, my friends are spending all their money on new phones and iPods back then and shoes. And I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time I was waiting tables. Actually, I, I was serving at a uh, sushi restaurant at that time. Mm -hmm. It was like age 20, 21. So I got cash tips back then. And I was like filling up an entire sock drawer with cash. And nothing gave me greater satisfaction than filling that bitch up. Just like mm -hmm. slide the socks over one more inch, over one more yeah. inch and stacking cash while my friends were like buying video games or something like that. So yeah, my white belt is like saving some money and, and turning away from like living beyond your means and, and just stupid consumerism in mm -hmm. that way, which then leads into developing an, an investor mentality where you're you're starting a business or potentially buying or investing in a business investing in real estate that's a whole different lens um a way of like looking at things and then your black belt i don't really know how to define this one but basically you are on a compounding path of wealth accumulation and mm -hmm. you are above it in a way um mm -hmm. i've always loved this line where it's like you want to work on your business not in your business and yes. so it might look like you have a portfolio of businesses and you have some management layer where you are focused on the bigger picture and kind of the strategies and opportunities but you're not like in the weeds um that's where i am for example i have three lines of business that are all completely different and i'm not in the weeds of any of them um but i'm not like super rich by any stretch just mm. so that's clear um or but the other version of the black belt here is like i would think like the CEO of, of a huge company. Like maybe you're not a typical entrepreneur or you don't own a portfolio of compounding businesses, but like if you're leading a huge organization and building like a ton of value and wealth in the world, that probably qualifies you in this, in this particular area. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think making a distinction between like total man and real man, just because like, you know, there are, there are guys out there who are like not compounding, but I still think of them as real men. 
because of other areas of their lives? They're not. They're not optimizing for money. I, I guess. Well, I'm in agreement. Like, I think you need to be prudent if you're mm-hmm. wasting your money. If you're not, if you have the capability of like earning more, and you should do so to take better care of your family or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. um, and what's in the way of that is just like laziness or desire for comfort or you know extremely low risk tolerance in it like that's something you need to solve and you probably should do um even just on a moral level so it's like Mm -hmm. i I agree yeah my sense is that you're right like i really don't think you need to be an extremely wealthy or rich person to constitute the full kind of total 360 man um i just think as long as you are you have to have beaten like your financial constraints and and you're not just driven by money and you're not worried about money. And like money's not an issue. You've gotten to a point where money is a form of energy and I know how to kind of control and and manage that energy. And it fuels Mm. my life, my family's life, my community, whatever it is. Um, And I've moved way beyond that. Um, Yeah, for sure. This is the outliers podcast as well. So we're not, we're not talking about the, I guess the average person. That's right. Thank you very much. Did you ever read the, uh, the little book, rich dad, poor dad? Yeah. Yeah. When I was like 16 or 17. Yeah. Did it hit you pretty hard then? Like, did it, it I was like, okay, it's a different way to do things. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch that book until I was probably like 25 or something along those lines. But that one hit me, that one hit me really deep. That book has a very mm. special place in my heart. And despite the fact it's sort of like the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, it's old, it's dated. You know, the world has moved beyond that. I still would recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the Four Hour Work Week to literally yeah. anyone. Anyone. 100%. Like if, if you if if you're open to what is in there, like, oh my God, get it. That book, mm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I put that book down, I was like, I will absolutely never be the same again. Right? It was just like yeah. a new, it was like a new brain. I got a That's little a new paradigm brain. shift for sure. It's so good. Um, well written. I do think that that guy was in Robert Kiyosaki. He's a bit of a dick. I don't know if he's you've t- seen interviews with him. He's, he's yeah, a, I have. he's an asshole. He's just like, he'll get on, he'll get on the pod. If he came on this podcast, he'll just be sitting there like, oh, what are you, you guys like investing in stocks? You, you're idiots. Like you should be investing yeah. in real estate or something like that. It's like, come on. Yeah, I actually, other than that book, I don't like anything I've ever seen from this guy. His podcast, yeah. the way he makes money, his businesses, etc. Um, but no. that book, man, it's a home run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the um, one hit wonder, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, let me see if there's anything interesting else interesting. Like spirituality as a component of masculinity is interesting to me. That's sort of like creativity. That's the one where I'm the least articulate like i feel the least Mm. sort of knowledgeable um the relationships one i liked and then integrity and emotional maturity are kind of interesting um with emotional maturity there's this word that i love which is equanimity you know that word i i know the word but why don't you define it because it's it's a highly highly like underused, underappreciated word that basically means centered. 
It means it, mm. it means it's calmness and centeredness with with sort of like you're not going to get knocked off of that if you have like or like mental equanimity or equanimity and that sort of ties into stoicism and buddhism all those things are interrelated to me which is just basically like a black belt in emotional maturity has a really good management system for their impulses and their emotions their impulses and their emotions give them information but don't guide them or make decisions for them um that of course impacts relationships and stuff so I don't so the, the isn't that like isn't that just mastery over oneself? I guess. I mean, I guess I'm sort of thinking specifically about emotions, but maybe Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, totally. I like how maybe, you find it. Yeah, I don't know. So here let me tell you what I put for the white belt, blue belt, um black belt for this. If it if it you know, makes a difference. So white belt is somebody who is starting to try to control their mind. Like they have heard about meditation. They've tried it. They're starting to understand that, okay, I need to shut the fuck up and like, listen more. It's kind of just starting on that path. And then I would also think that there's this tit for tat emotional thing when you're a white belt, which is like, if, if you're happy, I'm more happy. If you're mad, it makes me mad. Like you're angry. I'm angry. That, that kind of thing. And then Blue belt, you are getting to a point in your life where you are able to do hard things and quiet your mind. Like that can mean a lot of different stuff, but like you, you understand grit and toughness. You are engaging that part of your brain. You, you're understanding stoicism and that type of thing. And then black belt, I have that you have demonstrable mental toughness. Your happiness is intact generally have high energy and high mood or like great mood and you are unmessable with which is one of my favorite words mm -hmm. i got from uh from a, a mentor type person they would say that like you have to be unmessable with like when you are on your mission nothing messes with you nothing can stop you yeah I, I, that's yeah. what i think about sort of with the with the emotional like maturity equanimity thing i like that I think it's key and you, you've defined it well because like whenever I hear someone speak about emotional maturity in the context of being a man, I run away from that shit, man. I'm like, I know what's coming. You're going to be yeah. like, oh, you need to be more emotional and like talk more about vulnerable. Like, it's not that. Like it's, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the V word, right? Vulnerable. Man, that has become <laughs> such a big word. Thank, thanks to Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss and everybody else. And um. Not that that's not important, right? But yeah. but it but it for me it's it doesn't feel useful. Like I can't. Well, it's, I it's can't. Like you can't. You can't. Yeah. Here's how I think. You can. Like, I, I get it. I get the point. But like, you can't force it. Like, you can't. Like when you tell people to be vulnerable, it's like uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's I just because I'm not vulnerable or something. I don't. I don't know. I can't, um, like if, let's say I have to, I need to go have a conversation with, with my wife or something that I've been sort mm. of thinking about all day or whatever. Um, and I'm telling myself like, be vulnerable, like just, you know, whatever. Yeah. I still don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> exactly. It, like I'm going to go and be honest and yeah. open. And I'm going to try to be open-minded. I'm going to try to listen really hard and like really be careful yeah. with my communication around some, some 
big issue or something like that. But the vulnerability thing is a little a little mysterious. Well, um, maybe it's to to play devil's advocate a bit. Maybe it's really good advice for a guy who's like extremely um, closed and like hard exterior, and it's probably good for that. He goes. What the hell is that? Um, <laughs> what the hell is that? Ah, uh, so, you know, someone who's like who who lacks or has lacked the ability to do that and like could probably open up because you do see those you do see men who do that and it's like really good for them but i think at least you know how i grew up and how a lot of guys grew up in like middle class families in the west it's like thanks to feminism and a bunch of other things um men have been men have been told to be emotional from day one so it's like Maybe the opposite, me- not the opposite message, but I, I think be vulnerable. It's like a lot of guys here that is just be soft. And that's kind of the message yeah. that's being pushed. I don't know. There's, you know what works a little bit better for me is maybe the idea of go deep, go deeper. That works for me because sometimes yeah, sure. like yeah. in a relationship or something I'm working on for myself, like I think men have been conditioned to remain surface level on these yes. things. We ignore them, brush them under the rug. We're sort of yeah. sleepwalking through life. Like this Thoreau quote sticks with me where he's like, um, most men are living a life of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is just sort of like, oh yeah, everything's fine. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, are you yeah. like, are you fucking good? Like, let's talk about it. And so there's a certain yeah. openness and um, I've always had that and have always benefited from it to where, and you probably, that's probably why you and me ended up becoming friends for years it's like from the first time we ever spoke it's like hey let's talk about business and then 10 minutes later we're talking about stuff like this for an hour and a half no i I remember i remember this conversation i was like yeah i'm like not happy with the business like blah 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 and you said uh probably shouldn't talk like that with everyone you get on a call with um but you've come to the right place with me yeah exactly going going deeper being honest i think that's what it is just being honest and it's like um there's a way even the word if you think about the word vulnerable it's like you don't want a system that's vulnerable mm-hmm. you know you right. want a system that's like honest. it lacks resilience it's, or something yeah like lacks something and it's like you i don't know you, it's it's healthy to be able to say to another guy like a friend or whatever this is my situation this is where i'm, I'm screwing things up um or this is yeah this is how i feel like I'm, I'm super depressed at the moment. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. And like, you should be able to say that plainly and without too much fear. I think you should be able to say that. And and the receiver of messages like that should be able to listen and understand and sit with it instead of just solutionizing. Because exactly. men are the yeah. ultimate solutionizer, myself included, is my default response. If anyone is having any form of hardship, at all mm. i'm like okay we could do it this way should we get a notebook and we can if you wrote this every morning you... here's some affirmation right and that does not work yeah. at the moment and it doesn't work for guys either like i know but to, like i struggle with this man oh yes yeah. it's uh, especially with this the is wife, turning, man it's with this is wife. turning into the masculinity podcast which i don't mind um <laughs> yeah, when like i i have a i'm getting better at it but i've always like especially with other guys who are friends like i've always jumped to the solution 
Yes. It's like, oh, you don't like I, your job? Well, just do this, this, and this, and this. And it's yeah. like, here's my five-page plan for getting out yeah, of Yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I get the whole, like, don't solutionize. But at the same time, there comes a point where it's like, bro, you just have to do something. Yes. And it's like, you, I, like I, I find it really hard to strike the balance between, yep, I'm going to listen to you. But hey, man, this is like the 10th the conversation we've had about this specific issue over the past six months, and you haven't done anything. Like, let's do something. Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a different thing. I think it's about the timing. When someone mm. is depressed or having a low moment and they're coming to you, that's not the time to engage in some new yeah. initiative or whatever. And so sure. I think about this with my kids all the time because it's tough. Um, and you've seen this your whole life. You see a thing where like a kid's like climbing on a fence or whatever, a table, and dad's saying, don't do that, don't do that, right? And the kid falls and starts crying. And and what does dad do? Comes over and says, I told you not to do that. That is why mm. you don't climb on the tables. And that just breaks my heart because when a, when a child is crying or hurt or out of control with their emotions, that is the literal only time you cannot teach them something. You cannot discipline mm. them something. If you want to teach your child about climbing on shit, you don't do it when they fall off a table and they're crying, right? And that, dude, honestly, it's it's a hard part of parenting, like kind of working on that. But it applies to this mm. conversation. Same thing you're saying. It's like, I think the the solution element is important. Um, but you but do it when you're, about the when you're in a different state. Yeah, yeah, yeah a different state. Yeah. Or you even talk about it in the sense of like, hey, you know, I've got some ideas for like ways to work on this. Yeah. If you want to like dig into that stuff, like let's do that separate conversation. You know, mm. I will say one thing Love about it. vulnerability, by the way, I had a long phone call with a, a mutual friend um, of ours a couple of days ago. And basically for the last kind of 15 or 20 minutes of the, of the call, I, I didn't know how to say it. I just felt that the energy was wrong. We were talking about, you know, initiatives or vision for ourselves or businesses that we're working on, whatever. And I wasn't convinced by what he was saying. I just was sort of like, you know, I'm asking you about what's exciting. What, what are you working on? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And the response was like, ah, you know, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Kind of that sort of little bit kind of surface level thing we were just talking about. And I basically at the end of the call, I was just like, hey, I just want you to know I'm just feeling this. And I told him exactly what I was feeling. And I was like, it just doesn't, something's off. I just, I don't know what it is. I'm not offering advice, but like the way you said this and the way you said that, and I felt extremely vulnerable. That was like one mm -hmm. time where I felt the, the, the V word because I went forward with, with telling him that without yeah. knowing a solution. I didn't even know what yeah. the problem was. I just yeah. literally was like, Hey man, as, as somebody who loves you, there's just not something, there's just something that's not work in here. There's some incongruence yeah. is this word that, that you use that I really like that word. And we talked about it for a little bit, just totally openly and explore exploring it. And it triggered like a really big kind of transformation and open like a whole bunch of new ideas for him over the course of the mm -hmm. next day. And he's like extremely grateful and thankful that, you know, that I did that and that brought it up. And I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this was vulnerability. I don't know, but yeah, but it was great. You know, it's a good moment. I feel closer to him, I love it. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. Yeah. Um, sweet. Yeah.
So there's more of these that we didn't dive into, but that's good for now. The wheel of man. Oh, and I should say um, that this whole concept of, of what it means to be the total man and to kind of master each of these areas, I am envisioning that as a YouTube video that I'm going to make. So cool. I've, I've never done that before. So I, I really, I'm going to need like a bunch of feedback and input from you kind of just on some of the, yeah, no, that, that'd YouTube be awesome. Stuff. I was going to say, it needs to be a piece of content. Like yeah. It needs to be yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. Well, I sat down. So, um, I was somewhat inspired by your activation energy thing, which yeah. I was hoping we could talk about, but I had that yeah. in the back of my mind when I sat down and I was like, you know what? I, I don't need to think more about this. I'm just going to write the script force myself to get started. Of course, 90 yeah. minutes later, I've written six pages. Yeah. Exactly. And then put it away, walked away. It was like, that, take the win. And then that night had like 15 revisions in mind, noted them down, have been through yeah. a second draft. Perfect, right? It, it was so, it was easy and hard at the same time. But um, yeah, do you want to talk about that activation energy thing? Like, what was that idea? Where did it come from for you? And what were what were the kind of the, the main insights? Yeah. So it's not it's not my idea. Um, I don't know whose idea it is. It's been around for a long time. Um, but Paul Graham had this article on how to do great work, which everyone should read. It's so damn good. It is like a 45 minute read, but it's good. Um, and in it, he talks about the fact that there's this activation threshold that exists with work where like often it is harder to actually start the work than it is to keep working and everyone listening the 10 people yeah. who listen to this everyone everyone's experienced this like you procrastinate for the whole day you get to like 4 p.m you're like ah all right i gotta get i just gotta do something and you sit down you're like you set a timer and you start the work and you get like 15 minutes and you're like what was i procrastinating for like, yeah. this is not hard um and so he basically says like just trick figure out how to trick yourself to get started like even you can lie to yourself if you want it doesn't matter the point is that you get over that threshold you create enough energy to get over that threshold mm -hmm. um and so ever since i read that i've just been like so conscious of it yeah every day and can i ask you um this makes me think of james clear with atomic habits and i'm not quite sure if i have this correct or if it was him but wasn't there an element where like, if you're working on a new habit, like let's say it's the, you know, writing and you say like, I'm going to write for 10 minutes a day. That's it. 10 AM, mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Um, can't you like incentivize yourself with a little reward or almost like a treat? Like after I'm done with writing, I have my shot of espresso or like one little piece of dark yeah. chocolate or whatever. And then as you build the habit, you can just sort of remove that incentive. And is that, a I, I think so. Thing? Yeah. 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 Kind of ties yeah, so into I've, the activation thing. I've been doing that um unintentionally like there was a, a day last week you know i was, was kind of sick but i wasn't sick enough like it was still work i just like put some work off for hours um i got like to the afternoon i was like activation energy and it was kind of like I'll, I'll work and then i'll do this or like i was going to watch a movie or something that night it's like I'll, I'll do the work and then i'll cook myself dinner um because my wife was away, she normally cooks, and then I'll sit down. Ooh, and I'll, what I'll a what a real man! Yeah, uh, man, exactly. <laughs> you missed that part from the. No, I do. I do all the cooking for my family. So nice. Um, Keep going. By the way, I just gotta. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what else needs to be said. I mean, it's just like a simple concept 
activation threshold uh, harder to start the work than it is to keep working quite often. Uh-huh. And I think just being aware of that, it, po- it pops up. Win. Like when you're procrastinating, you're like, this is not as hard as I'm making it out to be. Yeah, dude, I have been a basically a lifelong procrastinator. And I later in like as an adult, like when I would procrastinate in professional things that I'm really accountable for, I would justify it. And I really did believe this to be true. It might in a way, but I would justify it because I would say I do my best work under the gun. You know, Mm. like if, if it's the night before and I got to be in front of a room of people tomorrow, I am going to freaking crush it and bring all that energy. And that was successful for me in a lot of ways, but I doubt it is optimal, you know, like the best way to get work done and to do your, to do your best work. But I don't know, man, what I'm realizing is like, there's just no, as much as in my YouTube videos and stuff, I like to talk about frameworks and, and stuff like that. There's just no set way to get shit done. Yeah. Like there's, there's people like, like you, like you just mentioned who always do things last minute and they absolutely excel in life. And it's like, is that a bug or is it a feature? Mm -hmm. It's like, for me, it'd be a bug, but for them, it might be a feature. So I don't know. I just, I don't know if there's a blueprint. I know. And I'm, so I'm stuck on this like purpose and alignment thing which is, mm. I usually like to talk about stuff that's a lot more tactical, like do this, then that, then this, then that. But I'm stuck on this whole thing where when you're clear about what you want, like, I mean, super clear. And by the way, I think like 99.999% of people don't know what they want. Sometimes mm. myself included, like frankly, for many, many years. And you too, I know, like we've talked about yeah, stuff yeah, like this. Like you go up to somebody and be like, hey, what do you really, really want out of your life? Mm. And people are people are just like, I don't know, like I have my kids in a job and that's what I do. And it's like, yeah, that's not, that's not. Um, I think that when you can freaking figure that out and really establish a purpose, and then what happens is your thoughts, your beliefs, your expectations, even your kind of visions, your ideas, creativity, they all start to fall in line with that like dominoes and action just sort of naturally comes from that. I think that's what happens when people do some kind of big work or some big creative work. And they're like, yes, it was easy. Uh, Actually, I I sat down and wrote the whole fucking symphony in one day. Right. And you see this with every famous musician, every number one song. Um, One of my favorite examples of that, which is just a cool example, is this guy, Ryan Tedder, you know, Ryan Tedder from One Republic. And he's like, for me, he's like the consummate musician like extremely good producer, extremely good songwriter, extremely good song uh, singer and frontman of a rock band. A dude is just a monster. He was doing an interview once, I don't know where, and they asked him like they were talking about writing songs and they were like have you ever written a song that was like just super easy and you were just like, well, that's a number one hit. And he was like, yeah, I have done that. One time I have done that. And he was like uh he was at a hotel in Sydney on the harbor like hadn't slept the whole night from a flight or whatever. And he was like, I'm going to bang out something real quick, had an idea. And he wrote the song Halo, the Beyonce, you know, <laughs> yeah. smash hit. He was like, yeah, he was yeah. like, I, he was like, honestly, I hate to tell people this, but I, I literally wrote and produced a demo of that song in like 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm just <laughs> like, 
And it's so yeah. insane to even think about that. Why did I get on that yeah. tangent? Oh, because this thing, when, when everything sort of lined up and centered for you, starting with your your true purpose or authentic purpose leading, the, the action just sort of emerges organically. It doesn't always feel so hard. And it might be some like really mm -hmm. kind of inspired action you could think of. Um, and I'm really trying to look for that in, in my life right now, as opposed to let me follow this, you know, 15 point checklist with two new frameworks. Yeah, exactly. Let, let me force myself to do X, Y, and Z from five to five thirty AM, et cetera. Yeah. 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 I feel you. I, I saw yeah. this tweet the other day. I was actually trying to find it for this episode, but I couldn't, um, and it was like, it was something along the lines of, uh, you should go through seasons of routine and structure and then like none at all. Mm -hmm. If you want, if you want less variance in your life because you have work that you know you need to do, then like routine and structure is good. Uh, but if you need more variance in your life, cause you're not sure what to do and you need to explore for a little bit, then it's not a bad idea to like stay up until 2am, like get a little yeah. bit tired like i was like that's, that's an interesting model um which i like i i don't know what i need i don't know if i need more variance or less probably less yeah so i could probably benefit from like more structure at the moment yeah but, I, but there's definitely I truly times believe, where it's like yeah i truly believe it is seasonal in that type of way yeah and it just comes and it's goes gotta be. yeah and you're kind of solopreneuring right now. You're you're like lone wolfing a bunch of different projects. We should we should talk about that at some point. Here's a topic that I want to talk about, which is like is solopreneurship overrated? Uh spoiler, yes. Um <laughs> I'm making a note right now. All right, yeah, we'll talk about that. And um man, every time we turn the mics on, I've got like a list of like six or eight things. We have a list of stuff we want to talk about and we seem to like never get through it um which i think is a good thing actually yeah that's good we've for always now, got to talk about yeah yeah and it just makes me like really eager for the next one so this week we should did we, a double header mm -hmm. yeah should we wrap up with coffee confessions and sleep notes yeah let's do it because we're talking about it let's do it yeah let's do it <laughs> all right um i'll start with coffee confessions yeah i've been great i uh i would say i'm, I'm fully off for like two weeks now yeah sleeping better than ever um yesterday i woke up <laughs> sleeping better than ever i woke up at 4 a.m unintentionally uh after like four or five hours of sleep and i had a meeting with someone at 6 30 so two and a half hours later and i was thinking lying in bed couldn't fall back to sleep i was like i'm gonna get a coffee this morning i'm so tired yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. i meet i'm gonna go to this like it's a good cafe like it's yeah. good coffee I get there, I walk in, and I'm like, decaf, flat white. So I was close. I was, it was like the, the, the hardest day for me. Yep. Um, I will admit, I, I got this like protein shake thing. And after I drank it, it said it was like, it had green tea extract in it. It was like 30 <laughs> yeah. milligrams of caffeine. So That's I did so have bad. some caffeine yesterday. But Yeah. Uh, I had the exact know. same experience at the coffee shop. I spent like an hour gearing myself up having the internal dialogue like you've earned this one it's okay it's just <laughs> one you're super tired you got some high level shit you want to do today yeah. i had a late flight coming home i'm traveling for work okay i'm a busy guy i'm going to my favorite cafe i'm getting an iced ass coffee 
and I'm going to sip it slow and it's really going to help. And I walked straight in and was like, decaf Americano, please, on the rock. <laughs> um, nice. And I'm glad I did because I'm right now, one of my other mantras, I think yours too, is like, keep the small commitments. Yeah. Like if you can't keep those little commitments that nobody else sees that are just for yourself. It's integrity, man. That's what it comes back to. It's 100% integrity, man. Integrity is, I think the most simple version of integrity is that I do what I say I'm going to do. Like exactly. if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. And that creates Which this is actually extremely hard. loop. It's extremely hard. And I'm not talking it's about like, just saying it's like, like you I'll just be there do it. Just do it for one day. Just do everything you yeah. say you're going to do. Yeah. It's like, it'll be hard. But it has a really great effect. If you really commit to that, you'll stop saying so much dumb bullshit. You'll stop being yeah, so that, non-committal. Yeah, exactly. You'll stop saying yeah. like, oh yeah, totally, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, uh, next week yeah. let's talk next week right you, you'll yeah, stop yeah. that and that's really good i think to like recognize yeah. and pause that um 100%. so are you doing a daily decaf to continue the ritual or you yeah just- pretty much like i had one yeah. this morning um that's it's so ingrained man i, I realize it's like i've done this for 10 years for 10 years and i'm 28 so i started when i was 18 uh, maybe 17 <laughs> yeah, like i, I sit down here. with a coffee and i work and it's like, yeah, I've done it pretty much every day. Yeah. So. You know, it's a huge change. I am, uh, I have dialed back the decaf, not even on purpose. Like I, I gave myself full permission to hit the decaf just to mm. help get through this. But, um, uh, I haven't even had, I don't think I've had a decaf coffee in three days. You know, it's like just whenever yeah. I get that, that day where I'm going to work at a coffee shop or something. I will, um, I will eventually just cut it out because I don't, I don't know, like maybe coffee's good for you. I don't know. Like I just, if I can just like sit down and not drink anything, that's. You'll, I think okay. you'll start wanting it less because decaf is yeah. so pointless. So I'm at a point now, I do like decaf coffee, but I'm at a point now where I'm like, do I want a decaf or do I want a seltzer? You know, like yeah, they, exactly. they've, they've almost hit the same thing. And I'm like, I think I, I just want a seltzer, you know, just a cold. Yeah, but it's like, it's, it's like summer over there, dude. If it was warm yeah, yeah, here, yeah. I wouldn't be drinking yeah, yeah. decaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, coffee confessions. And then, and I've already confessed to you. I don't know if it was on the mic, but I've not had a coffee in 27 days, except for two. I've had two real coffees in the past 27 days. The first one. I had a very late night drive and just felt like I truly needed it. Um, The second one, I didn't like it. It did not go well. It made me jittery. It made me anxious. And I'm sure, I mean, should you choose like a month from now, if you do, or even two weeks from now, if you do have that coffee, like a real one, I'll be really, I I bet you won't like it. Like it's weird. I'm 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 super curious. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I'm wait like, as long as you can. Well, yeah. dude, it's not just that. It's like I'm scared that if I have one and it's not a bad experience, <laughs> yeah, in yeah, fact, yeah. it's the opposite. Yeah. I'll be yeah. like, yeah. "Damn, what have I been missing?" And well, I'll just like be hooked again. What's crazy is how powerful caffeine is as a drug, that you, and you just don't realize it until you haven't had it mm. for you know at least a month or whatever. Um, so I'm sure there'll come a point off. where I like. Yeah, there'll come a point yeah. where I like need to get work done. I'm tired and I'll just be like, screw it. Yeah. By the way, usually now nowadays, especially lately, if I'm really tired and need to get something done, I will like just straight up lay down and rest for like 30 minutes. 
not ashamed. Mm. I'm not ashamed to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and what was the other one? Sleep notes. Yeah. Sleep notes. Yeah. I'm struggling with sleep really hard right now because I have this vision of getting up at 4am, getting a ton of stuff done, like even before my kids are up, et cetera. But the, the reality is I know for a fact that that is not my optimal sleep schedule. Mm. And the reality is, and I have felt this many times, sometimes getting up at 4am feels very counterproductive and very arbitrary. And I like this morning, I got up at four. This morning, I got up at four and I couldn't go running. I couldn't literally, I was like, I'm extremely tired. I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's cinder blocks on my legs. I did do like a lot of heavy um, deadlifts yesterday, but I wasn't rested. Like, I, and I'm mm -hmm. like, fuck, you know, and then my day is going to be halfway off. And I'm like, to what end? Like, why, why am I doing that? And so I'm back and forth. I don't know if I should bail or if I should keep pushing and just try to dial it in better, but I, that's where I'm at on sleep. And I'm actually going to do a sleep study for the very first time. I've never done oh, one. Nice. Not that most people have, but I'm going to do a sleep study, um, which is, un is for a whole different reason um, within the next few weeks or so. So I'll be super curious about that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, sounds like you're sleeping like I, a damn baby though. <laughs> uh, I've been waking up consistently at like two or 3 AM and starting to get sleep. I don't know why. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I saw this, this uh, again, I saw a tweet about someone saying like, I'm sick of all these mid twenties performance people, productivity people who like don't have kids yet. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm in uh, this tweet. So like, uh, I'm super me. hesitant to talk about anything related to, to sleep and like morning routines. Cause it's easy for me to do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. But at the same time, like my thing about when you start having kids is you need to be freaking ready. You need to yeah. have your house in order. I'm talking about this house and yeah. Most people aren't, of course I wasn't all the way, but like, I would want to be like really working on and dialing in all the type of stuff that we talk about before, before having my sure. first. And, and I don't know, honestly, dude, you'll find there's a lot of different experiences out there. The, the idea that as soon as the baby's born, your life's over, you're never going to sleep for the next two months. Uh, you're not going to be able to get anything done. You're going to be walking around in a haze. That's honestly like it, it literally doesn't have to be that way. It does not have yeah. to be that way. Some days will, but with my third, of course, for more experience, we, it just wasn't that way. Like it was, mm. it was easy. It was joyful. We got as much rest as we possibly could yeah. harder for my wife, of course, like due to feeding the baby all night and stuff like that. But yeah, I have a whole, a whole bunch to say about that, which it'll be a, different episode yeah it's, it's a very good fatherhood point. episode um anyway i don't i don't use an alarm basically yeah i just wake up which that i go back and forth and i'm like i like the idea of getting up at 4 a.m every day and like when i do there's there's a an energy to it um yeah. but yeah. i think just with the quitting caffeine it's like eh, no i've been doing this for a while actually i i wake up when i wake up because i'm like sleep is the most important thing I just yeah. do not do well if I get a bad sleep. I'm the worst person. I'm super weak um, totally. in that regard. Like if I get four hours of sleep, I'm like, I'm not a good human being at all. Totally. 
saw. Totally. Yeah. So I slept for yeah. five hours and 45 minutes last night. Um, couldn't even go for a run this morning, but stretching felt good. Stretch for an hour, went for a 45 minute walk. And then after breakfast, I went to my one hour, like MMA striking class. And that's where I really feel it. I really feel yeah, it. Like, yeah, I'm like, my, my, like I'm, I'm moving slow. I'm like, God, I can't even hold my freaking arm up, you know, stuff oh, like man. that. Um, but we're making it. You probably can't see that probably. Yeah, good scores, man. Upper 80s. Eight hours and 18 minutes. Yeah. I have done the no alarm thing a lot for extended periods of time. Um, with what, what, what happens though is that my kids are my natural alarm. And over mm. the course of the last five years, six years having kids, I have found that if at least one of us, me or Katie or both, if we don't get up at least a little before they do and get a few things or just sort of set the day, it's, the wheels come off, dude. They yeah, just that fucking come off. And there's some, the kids have some sixth sense. When they walk out of the, their bedroom and you're still in bed or you're coming out at the same time, they're just like, oh, hell no, you did not get this <laughs> day set up for me, right? And they just go straight in on, on tantrum. Yeah, you want to do, you wanna do your ice baths? You want to go for a run? No. <laughs> no, no, just hang out with my kids. That's all you need. Wow. Anywho, Something brother. to look forward to. All right, man, this was fun. We have a bunch more to talk about yeah, next man. week. Sounds good. Peace. Thanks for later.